Welcome to the Host a Pro podcast, where we interview the world's top e-commerce experts and bring you their stories and lessons to help you grow your business. It's already the fifth episode. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. My guest today is Chase Diamond, better known as Ecom Chase. He's the owner of an email marketing agency called Boundless Labs and has sent over 1 billion emails, totaling over 50 million in revenue. He also has a new course out and you can find more information about it on his website, chasediamond.com. This interview was packed with tips and strategies on how to get 30% of your sales from email marketing. Without further ado, here's Chase. Hey, Chase. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, I see the e-com branding uh, behind you, so it's uh, <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> it's a nice conversation starter, right? Definitely. Uh, so what's behind the, <laughs> the neon uh, sign behind you? So what's, what's the story behind it? Yeah. Um, so I've been uh, in e-commerce now for the past like three to three and a half years. Um, and as I talk with, you know, a lot of friends and family on Skype and Zoom over the time, like no one understands what I actually do. Uh, so my family got me the sign that actually says what I do, right? So I'm e-com chase. So in particular, my expertise within e-commerce is on the email marketing side. So I'm looking forward to discussing all things retention and email um, whenever you want. Okay, perfect. Um, can you just tell us a little bit more about your story? Uh, you know, how did you get into email marketing and why is it so important these days, you know, versus how it was before? Yeah, so really long-winded. When I was 13 years old, I was diagnosed with what's called Crohn's disease and it's inflammation of your digestive tract. And I was basically sick for an entire year through lack of awareness of this disease. So from 14 to 16, once I finally started feeling better, I took it upon myself to raise awareness and fundraising for this disease. Um, and at 16, I became the youngest board member of this charity that does about $50 million a year um, in fundraising. And kind of through that experience of just getting the word out there, in hindsight, I was doing a lot of like guerrilla marketing and word of mouth and referral marketing, even though I didn't know it at the time. Right? So I was taking ads out in papers and I was inviting friends to come to walks and they would come one year and have a blast at the next year. They would bring a couple of friends, right? So I was doing all this from a really young age. And then on this board, I served a six-year board term. I was being mentored by presidents of banks and presidents of pharma companies. And at the time, I didn't really know what mentorship was, but these people took me under their wings. And I quickly realized that sales and marketing really are some of the most important elements of a brand. Um, at the end of the day, like you can solve a lot of other things that you can sell and you can drive awareness. You know, a decent or a good product that is known of is better than a great product that no one knows of, right? So I did that and then um, was doing a lot of community building after college with, you know, email lists and forums and whatnot. And I was growing communities to hundreds of thousands and, and millions of community members, largely through like cold email and a very non-traditional channel. I was sending a lot of per personalized outbound cold emails, inviting people to submit content, to enter into a giveaway, to opt in to uh, a newsletter landing page, to join us on Facebook. Um, so I spent a couple of years doing that, got really good at that. And one of my friends said, hey, why don't you bring the skills that you have around community building and scaling audiences to e-commerce? I don't think there's a lot of people doing e-commerce email marketing well. So this was about three, three and a half years ago. I, I, I kind of jumped in head first um, and have, haven't looked back. So today, 
I run an agency with about 35 full-time employees on the retention side. And we work with about 55 to 60 e-commerce brands that do anywhere from seven to nine figures. Um, and all I talk about, all I think about is email. So it's kind of weird and strange and I'm, I'm obsessed with it. So that's my background. To get to the question that you asked, uh, I think email is important for, for a lot, large reasons. A uh, couple being like iOS 14, right? Cookies going away. It's going to be even more important to control your audience and really have predictable revenue that you can press send. And you know that this campaign is going to drive you you know, X number of clicks and X number of revenue and the revenue per recipient is this. Where with Facebook and some of these other things, those are obviously very effective. For, for what I do, we are dependent on top of the funnel traffic, but they're going to become a lot less um, precise, let's say. They're going to become a lot less predictable. Um, so having a channel like email where you own and you control your destiny is going to be super important. Yeah. You know, I think w when we work with the e-commerce brands, we see that Probably email marketing, you know, everyone knows they need to do email marketing and probably 90% of brands are doing that wrong. <laughs> uh, there is so much potential within email marketing and it's kind of really, you know, only the start of actually, you know, fulfilling that potential for the brand. Can you explain why? Why does it happen? Yeah, yeah. so I think um, it's a couple of things. I think email is not this sexy channel, right? So it's often ignored. People know they need to do it. It's just not a priority. And when people do it, they often do it to your point wrong. So that way they're not getting the results that they want. And then they're upset, right? They'll, they'll try like one, two, three things for a few weeks, maybe a month or two, and they won't get the results. So they're like, oh, this email thing, it's dead. It doesn't work. Um, and I think typically there's a couple things that brands do wrong. One is brands themselves, you know, on the team side, people are annoyed with pop-ups, right? So say I'm a brand owner and I hate pop-ups. I'm therefore not going to have a pop-up for people to join my list because I'm controlled by my own internal biases. And that's actually wrong. Pop-ups, while they can technically be annoying if you do them wrong and you show them a bunch and the offer, the creative's bad, that's when they're annoying. But if the offer is helpful, right? Here's free shipping, here's this free content, here's some special offer. If it's something that's adding value to your consumers, um, it's gonna also add value to you because you're gonna build your email list. So I think that's one thing is people don't do pop-ups at all or they don't do them right because their own internal biases. Two, um, kind of on that same vein, they're not sending enough campaigns per week. And to clarify, a campaign is a one-time send to a group of people. Think about like a holiday blast or some kind of product launch, right? That's a campaign. Some people call those broadcasts. So people are not sending enough campaigns per week, which means they're leaving money on the table, right? So most brands maybe send one campaign a week, two campaigns a week at most. Most of our clients are sending at minimum three campaigns a week. So we're typically sending about three to five campaigns per week. That's not necessarily to say that one person will receive all three to five emails because we're leveraging what we call segmentation. And it's basically taking a sliver of our list and sending a very specific campaign to a very specific audience. People that bought product A but not product B. Um, men on our list or maybe just women on our list. People that are based in the United States versus international, right? So with geography, um, in the US where I'm based, maybe we're running a free shipping campaign but internationally, we don't have that same offer just because it's going to be more expensive. So we'll want to segment the list for people that are engaged in the U.S. and say, hey, Chase, this is free shipping offer. But for you, you know, in Israel, hey, unfortunately, there's not a free shipping offer, but we'll give you some kind of discount or some kind of free product with it. So leveraging segmentation and sending enough campaigns per week is kind of where people go wrong. You need to send more campaigns and you need to be hyper-focused on what you're doing. And then lastly, I think the big last one and the third one is on the automation side so on the flow side 
think about a welcome series for non-buyers, an abandoned cart, some kind of post-purchase, people set it and forget it, right? Again, these are going to work for you. They're going to send automatically, but it's not set and forget it. You have to be testing. You have to be optimizing. You have to be looking at the data to make the improvements. So I think for those three reasons, those are where people go wrong. And because they go wrong there, they throw in the towel too early and like, oh, email sucks, right? And they have 1% of their revenue coming from email. It's like a massive missed opportunity. Most of our clients are doing 20, 25, 30% of their revenue online from email. So it's very significant, right? So for a million dollar brand, they should hopefully be doing 200,000, $250,000, $300,000 a year. And your email revenue is going to be your most profitable revenue, right? It's people that are already on your list that you're going to be able to convert. So really long-winded, that's kind of my rant on like what people are doing wrong and I think why it's not working. Yeah. And how do you see, you know, the differences between, you know, flows and campaigns? Because it's really, you know, sometimes for brands, it's, you know, okay, they set up some kind of basic flows um, and then they don't really know how to handle campaigns, as you said, in terms of frequency and, you know, what type of campaigns and how to personalize those campaigns in order to, be, to build the right funnels. How do you see a different difference in managing you know, those both types of email marketing and the results you can expect from each. Yeah, so well, for one, I think they're both crucial. Right? I don't want to like say one is better than the other, so I'm not going to go there, but um, they, they really are responsible for driving people um, to one another, more so on the campaign side. So what I mean by that, let's say you have a list of a thousand people that we're going to send to, right? That's the segment that we're going to hit. Of those thousand people, a lot of them are going to open, you know, a percentage of them are going to click. Of the people that click, they're going to look at your collection page or your product page or your homepage, wherever you're sending them. A percentage of those people are actually going to view a product. You know, a percentage of those people are going to actually add to the cart. A percentage of the people are going to start, check out. A percentage are going to buy, right? So the more campaigns that we send, the more people that we send to our website, that's when the flows kick in, right? So if someone goes to our website, they view a product, they add to cart, and then they don't start checkout, they don't buy, that will trigger the abandoned checkout, right? So they're really symbiotic in how they work, where you do need both. And the way that I think about it is like, with people that are say just starting out, it's a lot to kind of to chew, right, at first. So do it into pieces, right? So on the automation side, there's dozens of automations you can set up. Focus just on the few first, right? So the three most important, the three you have to have initially, the welcome series for non-buyer, right? That's for the people that are entering their email to a pop-up, typically for some kind of incentive or offer. Make sure you say, hey, welcome, here's the offer, here's a little bit of info about us. Um, right, all about the quality of your brand, the brand standards, how you're different, really what's in it for them and what they can expect. So that's the welcome search for non-buyers. People expect that. It's also very important for setting up the relationship. Then there's the abandoned checkout, which is actually different than the abandoned cart. The abandoned checkout, either people A, are already on your list, or B, they got on your list if they complete some portion of the checkout, name, phone number, address, email, right? So that's a really important one because people are so close to buying. They're literally your most engaged sliver of people outside the people that have purchased from you. They maybe got distracted or maybe you don't have free shipping. or Maybe they want to just see if you're going to send them some kind of offer with an email. So the abandoned checkout is crucial for taking people from this heavily considerate, considering your product into actually getting them to convert. And then the last one is some basic post-purchase, right? The relationship does not stop when someone buys from you. That's actually when it, you can go one step further and express your gratitude and your thankfulness of what that purchase means to you and your team, right? You want to speak to people that are a first-time buyer versus a repeat buyer in a little bit different of a manner. So those are the first three automations that I would start with, right? Again, there's a lot more. 
So start there. And then at the very least, start with one campaign a week. Look at the open rates. Look at the click-through rates. Look at the conversion. Look at the market spam, the bounce, the unsubscribe. If all those metrics are in line with the standard of the industry, and they should be right, one campaign is it's not that much, send a second campaign. Right, monitor all those engaged metrics, both on the positive side, right, the open, the clicks, the conversions, and the negative, the mark to spam, the bounce, and subscribe. If all those metrics are good, send a third campaign per week. And you kind of keep incrementing up until you find that equilibrium of maximizing revenue and engagement and minimizing churn. If you get to the point where you're sending a daily email and you know your open rates have tanked, people are unsubscribing, you know, people are marking a spam, then you know you're sending too many. So it's kind of like this, you're looking at the data, but you're also monitoring customer support. Are people saying, wow, you never told me you're going to send me five emails a week? Like, what the heck? Right. So those are some of the things that I think about. Um, and with campaigns in terms of some of the, the content that you mentioned, you know, think about holidays, think about current events, think about new product launches, uh, celebrity or influencer partnerships, uh, any kind of social proof, right? Reviews, UGC, those are some buckets that you should hit. If you look at your campaign calendar on a two-week or a four-week basis, you can make sure that you're not sending all sales back-to-back, that you're, hi- you're mixing in a hybrid of sales and education and social proof, right? So that way you're keeping people interested. Can you educate them? Can you convince them? Can you build trust? Those are all things that are really important. And then in terms of revenue from the two, it depends on the, how frequently you're sending. It depends on your list size. Uh, we work with some brands that have 1 million, 5 million, 10 million people on their list. So they're heavily weighted towards campaign revenue just because the list is so big and they're sending so frequently. However, a smaller brand that's sending, let's say, three times a week with, I don't know, 10,000, 25,000, 50,000 subscribers, you can expect, it doesn't have to be one-to-one, but a somewhat equal revenue from campaigns and automations because you're going to be doing them in balance and the list isn't, you know, skewed. Yeah. Do you think that uh, SMS is a must? Uh, you know, to combine uh, in an email marketing funnel? Yeah, I definitely think SMS, you know, is a, is a great channel. I think there's definitely a time and place. If you are just getting now into retention and you're looking at email and SMS, it's probably going to be difficult for you to take on both at one time. You know, I'm an email guy time and time again, just because you, know, you can send someone three emails, five emails a week. In a lot of cases, get away with it. You can't send three texts or five texts a week, right? Like, you're not someone's friend or family. They're going to get rid of you pretty quickly. Um, so in my opinion, right, if you're thinking about the two, start with email. It's probably the, what most people will want initially. And then as you have a good pace with email, as you have your systems in place, your processes in place, and as you have a baseline, then layer in SMS. What we're finding is SMS really is a channel for people that want to be your VIPs. These are the people that want product launches first. These are the people that want to know what's happening in your world first. So SMS, in our opinion, not that it's not for everyday people, but it's really for the people that are the brand loyalists and kind of the VIP. So I think that's established secondary because email helps you figure out, well, who are the VIPs, right? Like, how do we increase the AOV? How do we increase repeat purchase? So I think email first, SMS second. Um, But that being said, I think they're both great channels. Cool. Um, you, you spoke about AOV and you spoke about more, you know, metrics you want to look at when, when you run an e-commerce. What would you say, you know, the biggest impact email marketing has on your, on your e-commerce business? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. One, I think it's, um, it's basically taking someone and allowing them to make a first purchase, right? When, when someone's considering your brand, they need a lot of touch points, right? 
They need to see that ad from you. They need to get that text from you, right? They need that email from you. They need to see your post on social, right? I don't know the exact number. I think the data always changes, but people need like seven or 10, you know, interactions or instances with your brand to feel like they can trust you. You know, with most DTC brands, like if you're like, you know, some big brand that everyone knows of, right? Maybe it's little, like, for example, Gymshark. There's so much clout and social proof there that maybe you could get away with less touch points just because there's so much credibility. But like I'd say the average brand that we work with, 1 million, 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, uh, that people are discovering through influencers or top of the funnel, they need the touch points. And email allows you to build that trust and get those touch points in um, in a way that's sometimes salesy, in a way that's sometimes educational, in a way that's sometimes both, right? So it really allows you to shove multiple colors. And the thing that I love about email is it's very intimate. Um, and, and I kind of explained this. So if you think about social, um, typically there's a post from your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your ex-boyfriend, your girlfriend, like someone, right? Colleague. And then there's an ad squeezed in, right? Those are effective. Don't get me wrong. But with email, if I can get you to open my email, it's just me and you. I have your attention for one second, for 30 seconds, for a minute, depending on how great my design, how great my copy is, how great the call to actions are. So I think email is a really intimate channel. Um, that being said, like I think all these channels are important, right? I think you need the diversity of channels to drive this AOV, the repeat purchase of first-time buyers. Whereas before, I think maybe three years ago, or maybe more, you could get away scaling a brand solely off of Facebook and Instagram, right? You know, it was cheaper, it was more predictable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, but now in 2021, email and SMS and all these things are so crucial um, for driving down kind of the acquisition costs, right? So you can acquire a customer, you know, on top of the funnel and you can get them to buy multiple times. You know, the LTV and kind of the re repayment of that acquisition is going to be a lot cheaper than it would otherwise. Yeah. So what you're saying, this is the opportunity of brands to really create this one-on-one -on -one communication, a personal yes. communication with their customers. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think the, the word that sums it up is you're driving an experience, right? How can someone experience your brand? And email is a great channel because you can include things like gifts and interaction, interactive elements, right? You can have really cool fonts and colors. Like, again, you don't have to over-engineer it, but like, I think there's a lot of really cool brands, um, not a client of ours, but a brand called Recess. They do a really cool job with their emails. Uh, not a client of ours, but Chubby, right? They're really entertaining and funny with their emails. Not necessarily, you know, the type that I like, but if you're in their demo, it really speaks to you, right? And I, I don't want to say polarizing, but some of these companies are kind of polarizing in the sense where it's really obvious whether you're in their target demo or you're not. And I think that polarization and that, you know, affinity towards a brand is what makes these relationships really strong. So email needs to be an extension of your website, extension of social. It's needed, it needs to be something that you take seriously and it needs to be polished, right? You see all this time people have beautiful websites and their socials, highly curated, and then their email looks like it was stick figures. It's like, who, who did that, right? Like, why? Like, so yeah, long-winded. I, I think email is a really crucial channel to drive that experience and build that personal relationship because you know exactly who someone is. On social for a long time, you used to know exactly who someone was, and to some degree you still do, but with all the stuff that's happening with iOS 14, if people opt out of apps tracking them, it doesn't mean they're not going to see ads. It just means the ads that they're going to see are going to be a lot less relevant. With email, you know the things they're viewing. You know the things they're clicking. You know how much time they spent on your website. You know the items that they've ordered. You have this central data hub and this source 
that you control and you own and no one can take it from you. Um, if you needed to give, you know, one biggest tip uh, to e-commerce brands with their email marketing, what would it be? Start. I know you gave so much, so much, but uh, still. Start. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to start. Like, I, so we work with about 50 to 60 clients right now. Um, you know, I, I see five, 10 brands accounts a week. And the number of people that are, like, just starting is, like, it's pretty overwhelming, like, how many people are just starting. Like, just start. Something is better than nothing, and you will figure it out. Um, and, and if you want to work with an internal person, if you want to work with a freelancer, if you want to work with an agency, they need some sense of data to figure out, like, what is happening, right? So if you don't even have, like, anything going, if you haven't sent a campaign, if you don't have a flow in place, it's going to take longer for someone to come in and be able to help you and optimize it, right? Um, so get, get the initial things out of the way. Get something going. Collect emails. So, so again, like, I think the advice I gave before was better, but my advice now is just, just start. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect out the gates, but something is better than nothing. And you'll learn really quickly. The best way to actually learn is to try. Cool. Chase, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And great value for our audience. Thanks. to Daba. <laughs>